Hey there, Agile Muppets. It's time to play the music. It's time to light the lights. It's time to get things started on the podcast Agile Bytes. And this is the podcast sponsored by Integrity Inspired Solutions, where we build software in an agile manner day in and day out. As I'm recording this, we're getting close to Christmas. I believe that we will actually be launching this episode on Christmas. And so I just wanted to wish you from Integrity Inspired a happy holiday season, whatever holidays you celebrate. Or if you celebrate no holidays at all, we all love you unconditionally here. What we've been doing the past few episodes is talking about the assumptions that make Little's Law work. And why do we care about this? Is it because we are super excited about using Little's Law for everything? No, it's because when we look at the underlying assumptions of the formula, then it gives us some windows into our own workflow. It makes us think about things about our workflow we don't always normally think about. And as we begin to take these assumptions into account, when we think about the way we work, it can improve our workflow. It can make it more consistent. And the reason that that's valuable is then because whatever we want to do with our workflow, whether we are forecasting what we can get done or whether we want to make some improvements and see if our improvements actually help, the more consistent we can make that workflow, then the more accurate our information is going to be when we start asking those questions and looking at those things. So that's what this series is all about, giving you some things that you can think about with your teams that if you pay attention to them, you might find that you get a workflow that's a little more consistent. And if it's more consistent, then you're going to have better forecasts. You're going to be able to run better improvement experiments. So we're a ways into this series now. The first assumption we talked about was that the arrival rate and departure rate of our work needs to match up. They need to be pretty close. The second thing we talk about is that if work comes into the system, it needs to leave the system. Okay, So we need to finish what we start, not abandon things halfway through or, you know, let them get stuck in a testing column for the next 10 years or things like that. The third one we looked at was that the amount of WIP should neither increase or decrease. In other words, we don't want WIP to be fluctuating wildly in our workflow. We want, we want the amount of stuff we've got in the system to stay pretty stable. And today we're going to talk about maybe my favorite one, which is that the average age of the work-in process must not be changing. It should not be increasing. Interestingly, it should also not be decreasing if we're strictly thinking about the validity of Little's Law, we want the average age of the whip to be the same, basically. We, we don't want it to be increasing or decreasing. This assumption is one that isn't very well understood. And where I usually encounter it in the wild is might be having a discussion with someone either in person or on LinkedIn or something like that. And somebody will say something like Kanban works great or flow metrics work great as long as everything is the same size. Now, I take issue with this. In fact, not only do I disagree with that statement, I actually affirm its negation. Size is really irrelevant to a Kanban working well or flow metrics working well. And so we'll get into a discussion about these things and how that can possibly be. And why do they say what they say? Why do I say what I say? You know, good, healthy conversation to try to come into alignment. And this assumption is one that sometimes people will bring up is they'll say, well, everything has to be the same size because in order for Little's Law to work, the average age of the whip must not be increasing or decreasing. In fact, some people will even say that, that flow metrics can't even work if items are not the same size. But keep in mind that the assumption does not say the average age of each individual item 
has to be the same, it says that the average age of the work in process can't be increasing or decreasing. So it doesn't mean that each individual item takes the same amount of time. It just means that the average age can't be volatile. So say, for example, I do a work item and it takes one day and I do another work item and it takes nine days. The average whip age is five days. So the assumption should be that as I get more things done, my average age needs to stay around five days. It doesn't mean that everything needs to take five days, just that the average needs to be five days. Now, if you've been following along with some of the other podcasts, you probably know already that this creates sort of an interesting potential pitfall because averages can be very misleading. As Dan Vacani likes to say, if you plan around your averages, you're going to be wrong 50% of the time. And when it comes to work item age, this is where averages can really bite you because think about that example I just used. I've got a work item that takes one day. I've got another work item that takes nine days. So my average, you add them together, it's 10. You divide by two, it's five, right? So let's say that I've got a hundred work items that took one day and a hundred work items that took nine days. So what's my average? It's still five, right? But none of my work items, zero of my work items actually took five days, right? This set over here took one, this set over here took nine. Five doesn't even show up in my data set anywhere in reality, but that's my average. And that's why sometimes we can run into trouble because averages are not real, right? Averages take all the data and then split it in half, basically. And so it can be very misleading. In fact, sometimes I will work with organizations and we will start looking at their teams, throughput and distribution, and you'll kind of see this pattern where you've got a lot of stuff that takes a short time, a lot of stuff that takes a long time, and then this low valley in between. It's almost like two fangs or something that are, that are sticking up from the chart bunch of really short things, a bunch of really long things, and almost nothing in between. And when you see that pattern, one thing that you might ask yourself is if you really have like two different types of work that you're doing. There's a reason that your work is clustering in such distinct age groups, right? And if that's true, what you might have identified is that you've got two different types of work. One type that can be resolved fairly quickly, one type that maybe is a little more intensive right? Maybe it's bugs and user stories or a certain kind of user story versus a different kind of user story. And it, and it might behoove you, you know, as you're thinking about forecasts and thinking about your team's workflow to identify those types and see what the characteristics are of those types. But that information gets obscured when you're only looking at averages, right? Because if everything takes one day or nine days, all I'm going to see from the average is five and literally nothing takes five days in that data set. So it can be misleading. There's another potential pitfall here as well. Because remember, we're talking about the assumptions that make Little's Law work out. Not necessarily that these assumptions are things you should always do 100% of the time. You know, we talked before about the amount of whip in your system not increasing or decreasing, but it doesn't tell you what your whip should be. And it doesn't tell you that it needs to be as low as possible. Now, as lean and agile experts from listening to this podcast, you know that our whip should be as low as we can get it while we're still being productive with the, with the capacity that we have, right? So, but Little's Law doesn't care. Little's Law just wants it to be constant. Even if it's too high, it just wants it to be constant. Well, here we kind of run into that same thing because 
Little's law doesn't want the average age of a work item to go up or down. It wants it to be the same. Well, if we're making improvements, if our workflow is becoming more efficient, then in theory, to some extent, our work item age should start to come down, right? And when it comes down, we are adding volatility to our system, right? And, and all, the, all the caveats of adding volatility to the system come into play. Forecasts become a little less reliable. Measurements become a little less reliable. But I think most of us would accept that trade-off, right? We make the system volatile for a time because we are moving to a healthier completion rate right? Where our work items age less and less and less. Like we would all make that. I hope we would make that trade, right? I hope we would all make the trade for a system that is improving in its work item age, understanding it's going to be a little more volatile for a while than to have a very, very predictable system where everything was taking longer than it should. So those are some things to keep in mind when we're talking about Little's Law and averages. It just means, once again, making Little's Law work is not really the end goal and it's not a priority, right? And even efficiency is not a priority or it's not the highest priority. So, so don't, don't get this wrong, right? Just because Little's Law doesn't want that age to change doesn't mean it shouldn't be changing. If it's going down and it's consistent over time, then you're actually doing pretty good. But having said that, it's not like we should just throw this assumption out the window because really work item age is one of the most important metrics that you can be looking at when it comes to the stability of your system and the ability of your team to deliver value on a regular basis and have those short feedback loops that makes agile work right that's kind of really the heartbeat of an agile methodology to software is i'm going to get a minimum thing out there, I'm going to get feedback and that feedback is going to shape where I go as opposed to trying to get it right up front, right? We use experimentation results and verification to build the right thing as opposed to more and more planning and more and more and more research, right? Well, having low work item age is really key to being able to have that. The lower the work item age is, the more frequently we can deliver, the faster we get our feedback and the faster we pivot. Because obviously the goal is not to deliver the wrong thing faster. The goal is to get to the right thing as quickly as we possibly can. And that's the method Agilus use to get there. So there are very positive implications to paying attention to your WIP item age. The only caveat I will say is that, yes, reducing volatility on aging is good. And it does have some benefits. But to not elevate that so high that you aren't making improvements if you are on the whole, bringing the work item age down, then you're, you're moving in the right direction. It's you, you want to make that trade. You want to introduce that volatility temporarily to do that. But some of the positive implications of this is it forces us to pay attention to our work item aging and then address it. So for instance, a lot of times in my daily standups, we look at work item age of everything that's in progress. Why do we do that? Because it affects the tactical decisions the team is going to make for that day. If we've got, you know, a number of things in progress and a handful of them have only aged a few days, but then we've got this item over here that's aged 12 days or 17 days or whatever it is. Well, then in our daily standup, we need to figure out as a team what we're going to do about it, right? Why are we, why are we making progress on all these very recent tickets when we've got this item that we need to get delivered, right? We need to get out the door. And maybe we have everyone stop 
or a few people stop what they're doing to give more attention to this ticket that's just sitting out there. Work item age becomes a very important part of that discussion, right? And it's so much better than having a standup where everyone just talks about what they did yesterday and what they plan to do today, because that doesn't tell me necessarily what's in trouble, right? It doesn't tell me what needs attention. But when I'm looking at that work item age, it becomes a little bit clearer. And if everything is low, if all aging is low, then that's great. We have all the flexibility in the world as a team to decide how we want to attack the work that day because aging is great. But when we have those situations where we can see that work item age is increasing, well, then that gives us a cue that maybe tactically we need to make some changes for that day. And maybe even strategically, we need to make changes to our workflow process if work item age is on a trend upward that's very consistent. I'll give you an example. One of my team's policies almost all the time is, unless there's a reason not to do this, we always pull the oldest item first. So I'm not talking about pulling things out of the backlog necessarily, because the backlog should be prioritized by the value that it brings to our customers, right? But once something is in progress, we want to give more attention to the older things and we want to give priority to the older things. So let's say I'm a coder, right? And uh, a lot of analysis and requirements have been done on the next three user stories. I'm ready to start new work. I look at what things are ready to go. I've got three to choose from that I can start writing code on. How do I choose which one? I'm going to choose the oldest one. And when items are in progress, this is a really good way to sort of organically keep your work item age down and make your system predictable. Honestly, just making that one change, just always pulling the oldest item first and making sure that the oldest item gets more attention than the more recent items, just that one change alone will take a lot of volatility out of your system. So it's something you might want to think about. Now, some of you are thinking, well, but that's not always what we want to do, right? Like this one might be a higher priority, even though we just started it. You know, if the server goes down, then it's going to be the most recent. No, I know. That's why the policy isn't no matter what, always pull the oldest item first. It's if there's not a reason not to do it in the absence of any other reason, if, if all else is equal, pull the oldest one next, you know, work on the oldest one first. Another thing you can do is you can use your common aging to give you a guideline for shaping and discussing your work items. So let's say, for example, your average work item age is five days. Well, the first thing I would probably say is when you are looking at your other items, I wouldn't necessarily use the average. I mean, Little's law does require the average to be stable in order to work as well as it could, but that doesn't mean you do. And when I'm planning, I don't like to use the 50% mark. I like to look somewhere around like the 85% mark. So let's say 85% of the value that we deliver, you know, the user stories or whatever your work items are, 85% of them has an age of, you know, I don't know, whatever, 10 days or less. So when we are crafting new work items and discussing new work items and planning, whether you're doing like a sprint planning session or whether it's, it's more informal than that, as you're talking about those work items, you can say, hey, do you think this thing will take 10 days or less? And if someone says, oh, no, that's going to take way more than 10 days. Okay, well, now we sort of have a guideline to talk about it. That's a red flag, right? 
because we're saying in advance, we're pretty sure this item is going to be way bigger than most of our items. And now we can have a conversation about it. Did we break it down as well as we could? Do we have a gap in our understanding that's causing us to estimate this differently? Is there some kind of special cause that makes this different from the others? Or at the end of the day, is it just, hey, this is just a big work item. We can't reduce it any further. It's just going to take a while. And so it's going to be closer to one of our outliers. And we know that going in. But that discussion is valuable, right? And in the Kanban world, we call that right-sizing. The goal is not to make every item the same size. The goal is to look at what your work item age normally looks like and see if you can spot variations. See if you've got something coming down the pike that isn't really going to fit that. And then you can have a conversation about why you think that is. Doesn't mean anything is going to change necessarily, but it's an extra indicator that lets you know, hey, you're looking at something that seems pretty different than the work that you normally do. Maybe you should give it a little more attention. Maybe you should talk about it as a team a little bit more. Make sure you've really broken it down as well as you can and that you've really got your arms around it as much as you can. So that's what I've got to say about work items aging gracefully. I have done podcast episode or two specifically on work item age that you can go look up if this topic is more interesting to you and you want to hear more about the ways that work item age can really mess you up and other practical suggestions about how you might use work item age in your own planning and discussion and forecasting. I think it's, it's a really important thing to look at. Little's Law wants it to be very stable. And I do too. I would recommend that stable can be good. But again, I would also urge you to above and beyond stability to value improvement. Work item age is just one of those things that the lower we can get it, the healthier your whole lean and agile delivery ecosystem is going to be. Thanks, everyone, for listening to Agile Bites. Agile does sometimes bite, but we don't think it always has to. If you enjoyed what you heard today, don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you happen to be using. And if you can, leave us a comment because we'd love to hear your feedback. What things would you like to hear about? What things did you hear that were valuable to you today? You can also head over to integrityinspired.com to sign up to our email list. But that's all for today, folks. We'll see you next time.